0: Need to get your football fix on all things Army, Navy, and Air Force? This is Yards and Stripes Service Academy Football. Now, here's your host, Price Atkinson.
1: Welcome into Episode 6 of Yards and Stripes, your home for Service Academy Football, and I am your host once again, Price Atkinson. Thanks for tuning in with us yet again this week as the college football season is now in full swing, and it was a fantastic weekend weekend for all three of our teams big winners maybe not by margin of victory on the scoreboard in some cases but certainly big as in all 3-1 and especially that Air Force win at Colorado we're going to get into all of it more right here on episode 6 of Yards and Stripes don't worry our featured guest interview this week excited to talk some Air Force football with legendary former Falcon head coach himself Fisher DeBerry we'll bring you that conversation here in just a little bit we're going to recap the three games that we had Last weekend, we'll give out our weekly game ball, and we will look ahead to the two games we have in action this coming weekend. And as you know, we wrap up every episode of the podcast with the Travis Mannion Foundation Honor Roll. Check them out online, travismannion.org as they are empowering families of the fallen uh, to develop character in future generations across the country. Again, check them out, travismanion.org. Cannot thank them enough for their support of Yards and Stripes for another season as we are going to roll into our recaps here in just a second. But I do want to tell everybody, appreciate everybody tuning in, but most importantly, subscribe. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, whether no matter what kind of app you're using, if it's Uh, An Android phone, an Apple, an iPhone, it does not matter. If you're using, obviously, an iPhone, you're probably using Apple Podcasts. If you're an Android user, Google Google Stitcher, uh, Google Play, Spotify, multitude of ways you can subscribe uh, to get Yards and Stripes every single week delivered right to your phone. So you just go into the search engine, Yards and Stripes, you will get the new podcast delivered to you each and every single week during the college football season. But uh, if you want to give us a review, I would highly encourage it, no matter what you think of the podcast. I'm hoping it's good thoughts, uh, four and five stars on Apple Podcasts, because that makes it easier for other Army, Navy, and Air Force, as well as college football fans To find us and listen to what we do here is what we do, I think, is special in the unique landscape of college football, the big business that it has become. But we do nothing but focus on Army, Navy, and Air Force every single week right here on Yards and Stripes. But we got a lot to get to, including our interview with Fisher DeBerry coming up here in a few minutes. But let's take a look back at what happened with all three games this past weekend. Hut, hut, hike! All right, folks, let's start in Boulder, Colorado. First game of the day where the Air Force Falcons traveling to Folsom Field in Boulder to take on the Colorado Buffaloes in a thriller. It was back and forth, a game of some incredible swings, but the Falcons prevail in overtime, 30-23. to 23. Let's take you through and tell you how it happened. In the football game, Air Force, they would fall behind uh, early 10 to nothing. After the first quarter, is For- Colorado, they jumped on Air Force right from the get-go. They were ahead 10-0, and that was through barely a, a half a quarter of play. But the Falcons do get on the scoreboard. A Gerard Sanders, thirty-two yard touchdown pass from Donald Hammond Jr. the third, who had a great day throwing the football. We'll tell you his final line here in a minute. But a thirty-two yard touchdown pass from Hammond to Sanders, capping a seven-play, seventy-five yard drive late in the first quarter, making it ten to six as the point after failed. In the second quarter, it was all Air Force. Hammond goes in from two yards out with 10 minutes to go, giving Air Force their first lead of the the game. And then Benjamin Waters hauls in an 81-yard touchdown pass from Donald Hammond Jr., the third, to give Air Force a halftime lead of... 20-10, Twenty to ten, a forty-seven-yard field goal there early in the fourth quarter that gave Air Force its biggest lead of the day at twenty-three to ten. But as is what as Colorado has done all season long, they roar back late in the football game. We watched them come back from seventeen down in Lincoln. This time they score. 14 points in the final six minutes, capped by a two yard touchdown run with twenty-eight seconds to go in the game, making it twenty-three all as the two teams would go to overtime. Air Force takes the ball first as they lose the coin toss, but Caden Rensburg on the very first play of overtime takes a pitch from Hammond Jr. the third twenty-five-yard touchdown run, diving into the end zone, putting Air Force up thirty to twenty-three. Then it comes down to the Air Force defense having to hold, having to hold Colorado out of the end zone. And here's how the 4th and 11 sounded, this audio courtesy of the Mountain West Conference.
0: For the ball game here, they need a first down. 5 of 5 on 4th downs today. A comeback just to get it here to OT. Montez looking that way. Throws in.
1: Air Force gets the stop. What a ball game it was. As Air Force, they get a win over Colorado in Boulder for the first time since 1968. A thriller, 30 to 23 that was a back and forth affair. Air Force improves to 2 and 0 overall this season while the Colorado Buffaloes they drop to 2 and 1 overall. Let's go to San Antonio, Texas, where the Army Black Knights taking on the UTSA Roadrunners from San Antonio and the Army Black Knights, they hop on early in the football game, a twenty-six nothing run by Kel Walker, not even a minute into the football game, taking it to the house, putting Army up seven to nothing. David Cooper will add a forty yard field goal a short time later for a ten to nothing advantage. That's where the teams would go to the break. In the third quarter, UTSA, they get on the scoreboard uh, with a Lowell Narcisse two-yard touchdown run, making it 10-7. to But as you'll hear, the play-by-play voice of the Army Black Knights, Rich DeMarco, Army, as UTSA drives into Army territory midway or late in the third quarter, Army ahead 10-7. to Army defense comes up with a huge play and then Jabari Laws makes some pay.
2: Second and ten for UTSA from the Army 49. Black Knights bringing Blitz Marston in the backfield. Harris gets around him, floats a pass near sideline. Caught by Cephas at the Army 45. Ball is stripped, picked up by Jacob Covington. Near sideline to the 50, run into from behind by Cam Jones and slides down at the UTSA 41-yard line. It was Bordeaux and Covington with the tackle. Army ends up with the football after the turnover first and 10 at the UTSA 41. Jabari Laws under center. Takes the snap first and ten from the UTSA 41. Runs right, breaks the tackle. 35-yard line, 30 down the near sideline. Jabari Laws is gone. A touchdown run from 41 yards out for the Army quarterback. Jabari Laws, the first touchdown of his collegiate career, and Army is back on the board with two minutes and 23 seconds left in the third quarter. Army takes a 16-7 lead.
1: That audio courtesy of the Army radio network is the Army Dave Defense causes the turnover on the very next play, Jabari Laws, a 41-yard touchdown run, the very first of his young career for the Black Knights as he would carry in the football game 23 times, 137 yards, averaging six yards a carry, but that 41-yard touchdown run was a biggie. For Army as it was a ten to seven lead as UTSA was driving. The turnover and the touchdown run makes it seventeen to seven with two minutes to go. Army doesn't look back as Kel Walker goes in from sixteen yards out, his second touchdown of the game early in the fourth quarter. Uh, UTSA would add another touchdown midway through the fourth period but Connor Slomka finishes the job going in from three yards out with 120 to go for the game's final margin as Army defeats the UTSA Roadrunners 31-13 on the road. Army improving to 2-1 and one. most importantly getting that loss against Michigan that heartbreaking loss out of their mouths it was nowhere to be found. UTSA falling to one and two overall as I mentioned just an outstanding ball game not just by. Uh, Army's uh, offense, but also the defense. They get that turnover there, a key turnover there in the football game as they turned UTSA, UTSA over three times overall forcing two fumbles and intercepting the Roadrunners, but so far this season limiting opponents to just 281 yards of total offense and only giving up just over 11 points per game in regulation, so as good as Army is offensively, and they had a, a season-high 350 yards total 340 on the ground it's that army defense that even though Jay Bateman gone departed to UNC they are still getting it done on the Black Knights defense last but not least the Navy Midshipmen hosting the East Carolina Pirates in the American Athletic Conference opener for both teams. And the Midshipmen getting a forty-two to ten, a dominating win for Coach Ken Niumatalolo's squad to improve to two and zero overall this season. East Carolina they fall to one and two on the two thousand and nineteen campaign. In twelve seasons as head coach, Ken Matololo's team has amassed an eighty-nine and fifty-eight record with him at the helm. Uh, But most importantly, they are... Fifty-eight and twelve when scoring first, and that's exactly what Navy did in this football game. is they scored first and they scored often in the first quarter and in the first half. Malcolm Perry, an eighteen-yard touchdown run, an eleven-yard touchdown run, all in the first quarter, put Navy up fourteen to nothing. C.J. Williams then takes a twenty-nine-yard pass from Malcolm Perry to the house early in the second for a twenty-one to nothing advantage. East Carolina they do get on the board with a short field goal. Uh, with nine minutes to go in the first half. But Malcolm Perry, one of four, his four touchdowns on the day. This one, his third of the game from six yards out with 5.25 to go in the second quarter, giving Navy a 28-3 lead at the break. Perry would come back out and play a little bit more in the third quarter, going in from one yards out midway through the third, and then an 80-yard touchdown pass from Malcolm Perry to slot back C.J. Williams. Malcolm Perry's day was done then as he played two and a half quarters, and he exited with Navy ahead 42-10. Uh, Navy went with nothing but backups here in the fourth quarter, and East Carolina got a late touchdown uh, for the game's final margin, 42-10. to 10. But as we told you, Malcolm Perry just a massive afternoon accounting for six touchdowns, two of which were through the air on the ground the Navy offense rolling up 27 first downs 468 yards a of total offense including 315 on the ground but as Navy and coach Ken Niamatololo had told us early in the preseason bringing in Billy Ray Stuntsman to help in that run and shoot that passing game it has certainly definitely paid off as the midshipman now 2-0 overall on the season but most importantly they get that conference win against east carolina in the opener now navy will be off next weekend
0: perry wants to throw throws down the middle he's got
2: williams wide open cj at the 50 he's at the 40 he's at the 30 run cj run he will 80 yards malcolm perry to cj williams touchdown navy midshipman
1: that's Pete Medhurst, the play-by-play voice of the Navy midshipmen, on the call in that audio courtesy of the Navy Radio Network as the Navy midshipmen getting that 42-10 to win over the East Carolina Pirates, and it was Malcolm Perry, the senior quarterback out of Clarksville, Tennessee, leading the way, accounting for a team-high six touchdowns on the afternoon, rushing 24 times for 156 yards in four touchdowns on the ground, also was five a seven for 151 yards in two touchdowns, and you heard that second touchdown, the both of which went to C.J. Williams, but the second, an 80-yard touchdown, to the slot back C.J. Williams as Malcolm Perry basically went two and a half quarters of action but he becomes the first Navy player since 2010 and Ricky Dobbs did it to run and pass for 150 yards in the same game as he went for uh, over 150 in rushing and passing and that was also his 11th career 100 yard rushing day and his seventh uh, in 10 starts at quarterback for Malcolm Perry so as Perry picked up numerous uh, national awards, conference awards, including the American Athletic Offensive uh, Player of the Week. He is our weekly game ball winner here on Yards and Stripes. Malcolm Perry, the senior quarterback for the Navy Midshipmen. When we come back, we're going to turn the page. We're going to talk a little Air Force Falcon football with the former and legendary head coach himself, Fisher DeBerry. Excited to talk with him. It'll be the first time since we talked with him in Season 1. Can't wait to talk and bring you this conversation with Fisher DeBerry, the former Air Force head coach. It's coming up next here on Yards and Stripes.
0: The latest with Navy, Army, and Air Force on Yards and Stripes Service Academy football. Here again is Price Atkinson. All
1: right, welcome back into episode number six Yards and Stripes, your home for Service Academy football. And we have got a legend here with us this week, the former Air Force head coach himself, Fisher DeBerry. Won, what, 14 Commander in Chief trophies, coach? I lose count. Uh, you won so many of them. 35 and 11 record, your Falcons posted against Army and Navy combined. But it's so great to have you back here on Yards and Stripes, coach. Uh, what an honor, what a thrill.
3: Well, thank you, Bryce. It's great to always be with you, and certainly we're willing to talk
1: about uh, Air Force football, and service academy football is nothing like it. Well, is, Coach, you were a, you're, you're a Hall of Famer, and also in the South Carolina Football Hall of Fame, but in the College Football Hall of Fame over there in Atlanta, uh, such a decorated career at Air Force. Let's start with the Falcons, because I know that's a passion of yours. I know all the service academies really are now that you're out of coaching, but especially the Falcons, where you spent, what, 23 years as the head coach, and I mean last weekend, how about it first time in over forty years, Air Force and Colorado meet Air Force goes into Boulder and wins for the first time in a thriller uh, thirty to twenty three in overtime. I thought there was another ironic twist of fate in this game. you know how I read that you actually recruited new Colorado head coach Mel Tucker to the Air Force Academy, who was a really good wishbone quarterback out of Cleveland Heights High School, but your former pupil and Troy Calhoun they get it done in a thriller. Your thoughts on that game and the way it unfolded, Coach?
3: Well, I was so happy for Troy and his staff and uh, certainly happy for the academy. Uh, first time, like you say, that they had played in 45 years and it uh, and, uh, goes back to the Vietnam War. And I don't think the last time they played up there that the students at, at, at Boulder were very kind to the cadets and <laughs> their uniforms and yeah. all and, uh, <laughs> And so, uh, but uh, so we just didn't play for a long time. Yep. I talked to Bill McCartney many times about trying to play and uh, and would always love to scrimmage them, but of course you couldn't do that in the NCAA at that time. And so, anyway, uh, uh, it was good to see them back, get back together, but it, the game, outcome of the game didn't surprise me at all. Mel is certainly. Uh, doing a good job inherited some good players, uh, 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 from, uh, Mike up there. But, uh, uh, at the same time, uh, Uh, I knew our kids would be ready to play and it was a great challenge and uh, just wrote our offensive I wrote Troy right after the game and the staff but uh, talked to our offensive coordinator yesterday and I was so proud that uh, he played for me also and was an outstanding quarterback for us and uh, he certainly used uh, uh, the upside of our formation and and they never really completely adjusted to it and uh, and it really was I thought the difference in the game so I wrote and congratulated him and uh, and so they've got another big test tonight uh tomorrow night against uh Boise state and but uh, that's kind of uh, things you thrive on coaching at an academy is to play a nationally ranked team and uh and they'll do well cuz they've played Boise and beaten them several times in the last few years so certainly proud of Troy and his staff most of that staff <laughs> was uh Players for us at yep. one time or another, and uh, so proud and happy of what they're doing.
1: And they're off to a great start and hope they can keep it going. You know, in talking with some people before in this summer and, and before the season, it, it, it kind of sounded like, you know, this Colorado Air Force rivalry downplayed, so to speak. And I mean, they haven't played in over 40 years, but, you know, we know Colorado State Air Force, they get together uh, every single year, play for the Ram Falcon Trophy. But, you know, I know that it, Nathan Pine, the new uh, AD at Air Force you know he wants to to get Colorado back on the schedule after that 2022 uh, matchup do you think this is a series that should be an annual occurrence I know scheduling is very tough in college football but you know just the proximity of these two schools and you know when you've got these three you know high power programs in the state of Colorado should Colorado and Air Force play on a regular basis
3: well, it would really be great. And of course, if the
1: Air Force could beat Colorado
3: State, then they can yeah. claim to be state champions. You know?
1: yeah. But uh,
3: uh, that creates a rivalry. But uh, Colorado State being in the in the uh, in the league, you know, with uh, in the Mountain West now, and uh, but uh, we just used to have some great games from Colorado right. State. And ESPN always wanted us to play on Thursday night it seemed like because the games were so always so close, so exciting, and uh, and we we enjoy doing that but uh mel he'll he'll do a great job there at, at colorado and they've had some impressive wins and we'll continue to have some impressive wins the rest of the year in the uh in the uh pack 12 you know but uh uh i i think uh you know that uh Uh, it should be an annual thing. I hope it will be. I do know they have a follow-up game, I believe in 22 and Mm -hmm. uh, back down at the Academy, but hope that that will lead both, uh, Uh, athletic departments decide to make it an annual thing it is tough Uh, i know we never we we were trying to play a lot of schools and we played oklahoma we played tennessee we played a bunch of them but at the same time our schedule every year was just about determined because we were playing notre dame every year and we of course play army and navy and then with the other eight uh eight uh, games mm-hmm. and we had 11 at that time and that constituted your whole whole uh, schedule every year so it was really hard to get that get that game in there and of course uh, the, again the feeling was that we wouldn't play at that time but it was just hard to get them in but now that we've played 12 games and uh, there's no reason why in the world they can't get this going
1: continue with fisher DeBerry, the former air force head coach and you know coach Troy Calhoun, he obviously played for you, played quarterback at the Academy for you. and I know you were just tickled when they announced him to, you know, take over as the head coach, uh, succeeding you. But you referenced Falcons heading out to Boise to the Smurf turf, Friday night matchup against number 20 Boise State. I mean, your thoughts on this game, because Air Force right now, 2-0, and The confidence brimming with confidence after beating Colorado, going to Boise. This is going to be an incredibly pivotal game, potentially, especially Air Force, playing a role in the Mountain West Conference Championship. As we know, Boise State, one of the top teams in the Mountain West, as well as the group of five.
3: Well, you go back, Bryce, and, and, and research the, the games that they've had with mm-hmm. Boise State. The Air Force has beaten Boise State several times, and uh, and uh, Boise State has always been nationally ranked, you know, and yep. they certainly attract a, a lot of great players there and had some great teams, and uh, but uh, – uh, I think it'll be a typical, typical matchup, but it would be great if uh, Air Force could whip them and uh, <laughs> and be three and zero, uh, and and then they got Navy down the road uh, looking at them in the eye, and uh, there are no easy Saturdays anymore. It doesn't make any difference where where you're you're coaching now because everybody's got good players because mm-hmm. they're doing such a great job and preparing the kids for college and high school football.
1: What do you think about DJ Hammond at quarterback for, for Air Force? I am mean, a big kid out of the Atlanta area can throw the ball, can run it. You know, brings a little bit of a different uh, dynamic dimension, you know, but it's not just the offense at Air Force right now. I mean, the defense is getting it done, especially that secondary, which had some issues last year, but you lot, they returned a lot of guys. And so far, that secondary has really done a fantastic job uh, for that Air Force defense coach.
3: Well, there's nothing better than playing experience. You got to put a lot of playing experience, even if they, yep. you know, had some difficulties in the past year or two, uh, that, uh, can, can breed, uh, success. And, uh, and uh, there's just no substitute for play and experience, but, uh, Hammond is a potentially, you know, a really outstanding player. And when you go back and look at, uh, at air force football, and you see a lot of great quarterbacks from the state of Georgia. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Jim Jefferson and, uh, and Rob Perez and, uh, D Dallas who yep. played for us. It was, uh, ranked highly in the, in the national, uh, in the Heisman trophy balance. And I think he was fifth or sixth one year. And, uh, and then, you know, he he led. Uh uh, all-time quarterbacks in rushing for many, 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 many years. So we've had some great, great quarterbacks, uh, you know, from the state of Georgia, and uh, I think uh, uh, Hammond will certainly be. But uh, I do think uh, Troy's team shows, uh, you know, he's gotten back uh, to a lot of the uh, root of what the Air Force has always been about. And that's establishing the fullback game and controlling the football. Mm-hmm. And they kept the ball away from from uh, uh, Colorado the other day. And uh, you know, a lot of people, you know, know, like down at Georgia Tech, complained about uh, complained about the, the offense. But uh, you know, I've always felt it's the opposing offense doesn't have the ball, and you can control it and keep it away from them, and yep. there's no better way to do it than with the option offense, you can uh, have very positive uh, results. And so, yeah, things that I always wanted to know at the end of the football game is how many plays did we run, and what our possession time <laughs> was. And if we kept that ball. Ten minutes longer than our opponents, and we ran about twenty-five more plays. We had uh, most of the time real good success.
1: Does does Coach Calhoun does he do, do y'all ever talk? You know, kind of X's and O's. Sometimes does he ever ask you know feedback, bounce ideas off of you? Maybe in the off season or anything when you guys just kind of. Well, sit occasionally,
3: around? you know, Troy has a place uh, down here at the, at the Kiawah, and they come down in in the in the summertime, and we get a chance. Of Course, he's part of our. Uh, Colorado coaches' night for charity, and we mm-hmm. get to this and that. And, yeah, we talk on the phone every now and then. But the night he got the job, I called him and I told him, I said, I, there's nobody that I would want to have the job anymore than you. Uh, you're going to do a great job. I just want you to know that my plan for the past six years has been, when I retired, I'm out of here. <laughs> and my wife and I are going to the beach, and you can call me anytime <laughs> you want to, but I will never call you I tell <laughs> you. Why are you doing this? Why don't you do this? It, yeah. It's your it's your baby man and you take it and run with it. And he has done a good job and I'm very, very pleased uh, you know with uh, with uh, the things the way things have gone. What we need to do is just get more people in the stands and of course I don't think television's in college football it's certainly convenient for the fan to stay home and watch eight or ten games on Saturday now, and yep. have a freezer full of beer. But uh, <laughs> at the same time, and it, rather than having to buy it at the stadium now, which you can do that anywhere in America, which I'm totally against. But anyway, uh, that's beside the point. Yeah. Uh, the point is that uh, that people, I think, are staying out of stadiums. You go through and look across America, and uh, and the, the tendency in most places is down. Now, it won't be at Georgia and and uh, Notre Dame this weekend but, uh, or Clemson's games. But uh, for the most part, uh, I think most teams across the country are uh, spiraled as far as uh, uh, attendance at home football games. And uh, that's what they really need at, at the academy now. And, of course, maybe if they can keep going and winning Saturday in and Saturday out, the attendance will improve a lot more.
1: You know, Coach, uh, you by and large owned Army and Navy when you were in Air Force and, and you know, like to, you know, joke about it oftentimes and uh, had a lot of fun with it. And as you mentioned, 35 and 11 against Army and Navy, you know, winning 14 Commander in Chief trophies and sharing another one. But, you know, the ascendance of Army under Jeff Munkin right now, number one, how has is, how is he engineered this turnaround? And number two, you know, What are your thoughts when you watch a lot like your teams did? You see Army going toe-to-toe with a top five Oklahoma last year and and a top ten Michigan team this season and darn near knocking them off, looking every bit the equal.
3: Well, you go, you go right back, and I mean, I think the the offense has a lot to do with it because the offense is something that the opponent uh, does not have see mm-hmm. one time a year. And you can practice all you want to, but until you get into it and see the speed of the game and see the execution, then uh, it's tough to defend and get ready for it two or three day, uh, days in preparation. And uh, frankly, that's the reason we ran it as long as we did. Uh, we, we tinkered with it, and you know, went from wish phone to the flex bone and put two halfbacks uh, in slot positions, and mm-hmm. we unbalanced our line. Did a lot of things like that, but uh, I think that's got as much to do with it as anything, and then uh, of course schedule, schedule, schedule helps a lot, mm-hmm. and uh, you know Air Force should have beat Michigan two years ago up there. They fumbled going in. They had a great chance to beat Michigan State. Uh, yep. You know, like you say, uh, if they didn't fumble that ball, and I was at the game, if they had not fumbled the gone ball, <laughs> (laughs) Uh, on a drive that they had going and given uh, Oklahoma a little bit more time to have the ball, they would have beat Oklahoma that day. And, uh, and we played Oklahoma really well uh, one year, the year after they won the national championship Mm -hmm. and, and carried Tennessee down to, uh, you know, to uh, to the last play of the game uh, almost, uh, you know, when we went for two to, to win and didn't make it. But, you know, uh, it just shows you you can take that offense and compete against uh, against anybody. But uh, also, you know, if, if you schedule a couple of teams that you know you might be equal to or better than, uh, it certainly helps your overall record and helps the, uh, the bowl picture. And I think Army, you know, the offense is – And when Jim Young was there, Mm -hmm. first year Jim Young came to the academy. He was running his old Purdue offense, and we sort of wore them out. And next year they go to the wishbone. And the remaining time that Jim was there, they had some great teams at uh, at uh, when he and Bob Sutton were together there at uh, at Army, and Bob continued with it. Uh, simply because, again, it's a it's a great offense for the academy, and it's a, you you develop a, a toughness, attitude, and mentality, and uh, and uh, that's what the army has always been about. You know, I was in the army <laughs> on active duty. Yep. and You always pride yourself being tough, like the marines. You know, and uh, so I think, it, and then of course Kenny, you know, he grew up like Paul did with the option over in Hawaii, and mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and has continued to run. It, but he's had some really good quarterbacks and he's got a great quarterback this year and some great players. And, uh, and those service Academy games will really, really be great games. And, you know, you go back and look at, uh, uh, army was really fortunate to be there for us up there last
1: year. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you famously said, Coach, one time, uh, quote, they found a new way to count Navy 0 and one 0 and 2 0 and 3 and so on, end quote. You know, that was during the early 2000s when Navy was really struggling before Paul Johnson came in. Obviously, Coach Niamatololo, who I know you're a big fan of and, and what he stands for, the leadership and, you know, character integrity that he, you know, embodies as the head coach at Navy. You know, you've talked about some of the great quarterbacks, uh, the good one uh, Hopkins at Army right now. And some of the great ones, D-Dowes, many others you coached at, at the Air Force Academy. When you look at Navy senior Malcolm Perry, how good is he as a signal caller for the midshipmen?
3: Well, he does a lot of things. I mean, he can throw the
1: ball, but like
3: all good option quarterbacks, he better be able to run the ball. You know, and everybody's running the read option uh, in college. Uh, you're just not taking it from under center, a lot of them. And, uh, and uh, you take Walter, they for many, many years with Mike Ayers, Uh You know, they, they, they ran the, the triple option, won so many games, but uh, the wishbone. But then recently they've started – Uh, Still running some option, but they're running uh, uh, backing the quarterback up and taking the the shotgun position, you know, Uh, but still reading a lot. And, Mm -hmm. and of course, uh, the read option with a lot of spread teams today, uh, you know, it's got a lot of similarities. It's just different formations. But uh, I certainly think uh, there are three great quarterbacks at at the three service academies this year. And uh, if they all can stay healthy, that's the real key if they all can stay healthy and uh, uh they, they'll be a torment to, to a lot of <laughs> opponents that they're going to play
1: all right continue with coach fisher DeBerry, the legendary air force head coach uh, give him a follow on twitter at fisher DeBerry because that's my segue coach and you know i wanted to talk to you about your foundation the fisher DeBerry foundation that everybody can find out more information at fisher org. you know you it's your foundation a nonprofit dedicated to the support of single parent families you know you guys send, what, roughly 500, 600 kids to camp every summer, you know, and and I know that this is something that you're incredibly passionate about uh, because you grew up in Shaw, South Carolina, a very small country town here in the Palmetto State. You grew up, you know, in a single-parent home without your dad, and so many kids that go on to play college football, they come from single-parent homes, you know, like yourself. Just talk about the passion you and your wife, Luann, have for the Fisher-DeBerry Foundation and just making a difference in the lives of young kids around the country
3: well price you know in the last few years that i was out recruiting all across the united states i just every year was going into more and more homes mm-hmm. uh, where there were single parent kids and in a lot of instances the kids were not uh, able to uh you know to 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 play or mm-hmm. take full advantage of, of sporting opportunities at their school because they had to work help mom or whatever and uh and then you know to me the most important person in in the country today is, is, is the high school football coach. Mm-hmm. I don't know where I'd be today if it hadn't been for my high school coaches and the, and the, the time that they took for me and, and the respect that I had for them. And, uh, but, uh, the difference they made in, in my life. And, uh, But, uh, you know, uh, today, over 45% of the kids in this country uh, do not have a a product of a single-parent family. And most, 87% of them live with mom. Mm -hmm. And uh, so uh, today, as somebody sent me a statistic not so very long ago, said 60% of the people, uh, young people in this country, don't have a male figure in their lives. So today, the high school coach is not just the coach. He's more of a father figure than than we would like to think, and so right, Luann and I are passionate about uh, camp, and certainly uh, certainly have the Fellowship of Christian Athlete camps, That's and nice. uh, we just feel if you can get a kid. To go with his uh, high school team, and uh, or to go to camp, and, and you know, and improve his skills, be with other people, and match up his skills, and then also, um, you know, learn a lot about the leadership and integrity and character development. But most importantly, make a faith decision for their lives. Mm-hmm. Because they're athletes, they can go back in their high schools and make a tremendous impact upon. The, their teammates their their peer groups and uh and you know and can improve the overall uh, atmosphere heart uh, of a of a high school and we know there are a lot of things going on in high school now that we're not necessarily there whenever you and i were going to school and so we just feel in any way whether it's through education whether it's through medical reasons whether it's through many different things that we try you know to help but we've probably over the course of uh you know, we started the foundation in 2002, uh, three, and, uh, we had 5k runs, golf tournaments and things like that. So yep. now we do what we call coaches night for charity. And we have three of these, uh, one in, uh, Colorado and we've been doing it for 12 years in South Carolina for 10 years. Yep. Well, the, high, the college coaches come in and we raise funds for the charity of their choice and then we benefit uh, our foundation from that. And that's how we basically, uh, the, uh, the individual contributions and, and, and uh, business contributions, but that's how we raise money to send these kids to camp. And we've probably sent, uh, in the time over 5,000 kids, wow. we know, to, to camps across the country. And, uh, and also we, we've, we've probably raised, uh, over $450,000 for the uh, uh, coaches and their charities uh, in the events that we have had. And so uh, we will continue to, to, matter of fact, tonight I'm going down to. <laughs> uh to uh edisto beach and speak to a group of old codgers <laughs> about 85 or 90 people that just want to talk football and uh we'll certainly promote and try to sell our book and every bit of speaking we do yep. and, and every book we sell we uh, give to the foundation uh, and we'll continue to do this as, as long as our health will allow us to do that and uh but we just believe that uh uh, we've got there's such a need there for, for young people today, uh, you know, to uh, to have opportunities that maybe they might not would otherwise have if there wasn't a foundation to give them that opportunity.
1: Absolutely. FisherDeBerryFoundation.org. That's the website where any of our listeners can find out more information, events, ways to help out the Fisher DeBerry Foundation, and certainly give you a follow on Twitter at FisherDeBerry, just doing amazing work in these communities and playing such an important role in the lives of young kids and you know helping them learn about character, integrity, and leadership by going to to camp every summer. You know, I want to let you go, Coach, uh, because we kept you a little long here. But you know, you mentioned you know you're down in the Isle of Palms, right? O- right outside of Charleston. I know we got our fingers crossed for you during hurricane season, right about now. And you get out to Oklahoma to spend a good deal of the year where you know a couple ki- your two kids out there, a couple of, you know, what eight grandkids, I believe, out there as well. You know, it, you but spending that time in South Carolina, I know a lot of. A lot of former coaches are down there, you know, in the Charleston area. Tom O'Brien, who you know, obviously coached at Boston College, played at the Naval Academy. Ralph Friesian at Maryland. Bobby Johnson from Furman and Vanderbilt. Even some basketball coaches like Les Robinson, Bobby Crimmins. How do you ever see those guys? Because you guys have all seen. Oh, to we kind had of, a
3: great time to yep. get together. As a matter of fact, I missed this morning because I had a claim guy here to look at the house uh, from the last uh, hurricane we had, uh, and uh, we were blessed that we didn't have any more. Uh, of an impact than we did, but uh, it's exciting this time of year down here because you never know when you're going to be evacuated. We've been evacuated <laughs> four times in the last uh, three years, but yeah, we we, we started this little uh, breakfast group and we get together every other Thursday and uh, and share old war stories. And uh, we got a lot a lot of other people interested in athletics here in Charleston mm-hmm. that come and join us, and uh, it's just a fun time uh, for all of us, uh, you know, to 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 be together. But uh, we'll be going back to oklahoma here in a couple of weeks and uh really look forward to that matter of fact by we have a grandson that's a junior now and uh he's leading the state of oklahoma yeah uh, in in rushing right now and uh hope he can continue to do wow. that after wow. three or four games and uh so anxious to see him play and then my son has two uh, young boys uh five and eight that are both playing flag football and uh a granddaughter that's playing um uh volleyball and so we just enjoy getting back and we'll spend four or five months down there with them and then come on back to the beach. So anytime you're down this way, we'd welcome you stop by and anybody and have a brownie and a glass of lemonade on the front porch and enjoy the beauty of God's creation
1: here. Well, coach, it's just an honor to have this time with you. I apologize. We kept you a little long, but it's it, uh, it just, again, it's, it's just an honor to talk football life, everything going on, you know, with you and just thank you so much. And you know what, stay safe down there on the coast and certainly go ahead and back out to Oklahoma here.
3: Well, we appreciate that. And we best wishes for the Army and Navy, except when they play Air Force. And uh, certainly continued best wishes to Troy and his staff. And uh, hope all of them can have a bowl-type season.
1: Wow. Just what a fantastic conversation. Thank you so much, Coach Fisher DeBerry, the former Air Force head coach, member of the College Football Hall of Fame in Atlanta, South Carolina Football Hall of Fame. So many different others as he was, you know, the Bobby Dodd National Coach of the Year, three-time WAC Coach of the Year, the decorations of his career go on and on and on so thank you again to Fisher DeBerry the former Air Force head coach for that time I hope you all enjoyed that But when we come back we're going to take a look ahead to our two games coming up this weekend certainly our Travis Manion Foundation honor roll segment and much more to do here on episode six of Yards and Stripes your home for service academy football
0: So many games to muddle through. Who's looking for an angle? Who's looking for an upset? We're looking for it every week as part of Three Dog Thursday. Hi, I'm TJ Reeves. Join me for the only digital radio show that is devoted exclusively to picking those underdogs. My co-host Kevin Rogers is a senior handicapper from VegasInsider.com, and we do a great job of analyzing and predicting at least three underdogs to look for every week in college football and in the pros. Plus, when the college basketball season rolls, we gotta keep picking underdogs all the way through the final four it's three dog thursday subscribe to our podcast at itunes stitcher and google podcast and when picking those underdogs in the football and college basketball season remember our podcast three dog thursday It's everything you need to know about Service Academy football. Yards and Stripes continues. Here again is Price Atkinson. All
1: right, let's look ahead to this coming weekend as we've got two games uh, involving two of our teams, but certainly the Navy midshipmen, they will be off yet again. (laughs) Weird scheduling quirk is Navy. They will not play again until they play next Thursday, a game on the road at Memphis. So another big American Athletic Conference game for them. It's really kind of weird the way that schedule works out. Coach Niamatolola not exactly upset about it compared to last year, but technically they will only play two games in the month of September, but Navy will return the following week, a Thursday night matchup against Memphis on the road. That one will be an ESPN 8 o'clock kickoff Thursday, September the 26th, but more importantly this weekend. Two big games and the biggest, no doubt about it, it's going to be in uh, Boise, Idaho, on Friday night, Friday night, a 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time kickoff on ESPN2. Dave Fleming, Jim Mora, Paul Carcaterra, they will have the call, and certainly our good friend Jim Arthur, the play-by-play voice of the Air Force Falcons, on KVOR 740 a.m. in Colorado Springs, or, w- or 104.3, the fan in Denver. You can also hear that game on the Arm for American Forces Network. So, the Air Force Falcons, the Boise State Broncos, ranked number 20th in the country in both polls. They will be hosting Air Force in the Mountain West Conference opener for both teams, as last week, Boise State gets a big win over Portland State. The week before that, a 14-7 win over Marshall. And then one of the more impressive wins, not because of the team they beat out of the ACC, as everybody knows, that Florida State is nothing more than the weak imitation, but kind of how they had to do it is that game and the season opener for for Boise State and Florida State scheduled for Jacksonville. They had to move it to the Florida State campus in Tallahassee due to the hurricane coming by. Uh, uh, uh Jacksonville uh, but that plays it does not it does not affect Boise State at all as they rally past the Seminoles so Boise State will take a 3 and 0 mark into this game Air Force we know undefeated this season at 2 and 0 but this will be the Mountain West Conference opener for both teams A couple stats to throw out Air Force 8 and 4 in Friday night games under head coach Troy Calhoun this will mark the 8th meeting all time between Air Force and Boise State all as conference foes. Boise State does lead the series 4 to 3 overall, but Air Force just 1 and 3 on the Smurf Turf there in Boise. Air Force 13 and 7 in Mountain West Conference openers going back to 1999 and more importantly 6 and 3 on the road. So Mountain West Conference openers on the road have not been any kind of daunting task for Air Force, but this will be the first meeting between Boise State and Air Force as a conference opener. All time, the Falcons are 25 and 14 in conference openers going back to 1980. The last meeting between these two teams, well, we, we know that was last season. Boise State knocking off Air Force 48 to 38. Brett ripping through for 399 yards and five touchdowns to lead the Broncos. He is no longer there as he is now gone. But Boise State and Brian Harsin, they still have a high-powered offense, but I think it's the defense of Boise State that is much improved in a difference this time around. So really excited for this game. Friday night, a 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time kickoff from Albertson Stadium there in Boise, Idaho. The Smurf turf is number 20, Boise State, 3-0, 3-0, hosting the 2-0 and Air Force Falcons in the Mountain West Conference opener for both teams. And finally, this weekend, the Army Black Knights returning to West Point in the friendly confines of Mikey Stadium, right there on the Hudson, going to be hosting the Morgan State Bears, 0-2 this season, coming out of the MEAC. the The Morgan State Bears have been, honestly, non-competitive this season, as they have been utterly drilled in both of their games, losing last week, to James Madison, 63-12, giving up over 500 yards of total offense, including 209 on the ground. The week before that, Morgan State getting drilled by Bowling Green State, 46-3, so they have scored just a total of 15 points on the season in just two games. But as he mentioned, the Army Black Knights going to be returning with a two and one record. Big favorites in this football game, as this will be the third all time meeting between the two teams. The last matchup came in 2016 when Army hammered the Bears sixty to three. I expect this game at Mikey to be much like that last one there at Mikey Stadium when Army. Just walked all over Morgan State. The other previous game, an Army win, and the season opener, 28 to 12, to open the 2013 campaign. This will be just the second other team, only the second team out of the state of Maryland that Navy is uh, that Army has played. As I just told you, a Freudian slip, Navy, that other team. So Jeff Munkin's team. Returning to the friendly confines of Mikey Stadium, where they will put that home winning streak on the line. And I don't expect them to have much of any problem whatsoever, as I expect them to play almost anybody on the roster that has a jersey and a pulse. But again, this game will kick off at 12 noon on C- the CBS Sports Network. Ben Holden, Ross Tucker, Tina Servacio. Or check out our man, Rich DeMarco, in the Army Sports Network through the TuneIn app or Ar- Go Army West GoArmyWestPoint.com. Com. All right, when we come back, how we wrap up every episode of the of the podcast, the Travis Mannion Foundation Honor Roll. We honor a member, a fallen service member who has given the ultimate sacrifice. We will do that next with the Travis Mannion Foundation Honor Roll right here on Yards and Stripes. You know, it's a simple yet very powerful phrase, if not me, then who? Those were the words that Travis Mannion, the Marine, spoke before deploying for the final time to the Middle East, serving our country abroad. And it is the work of the Travis Mannion Foundation in honor of Travis himself that is empowering veterans and families of fallen heroes to develop character in future generations, in local communities across the country, in its service projects, in different ways that TMF is helping them not only develop character, but, but cope with the loss of so many loved ones that have given the ultimate sacrifice. And you can check out more information online at travismanion.org. Is right now during this month, the 9-11 Heroes Ruck and Runs are ongoing in local communities across the country. You can find one of those races at travismanion.org. And if there's not one in your local community, you can do a virtual run to honor the fallen who have given the ultimate sacrifice. So I encourage you to check out travismanion.org as the Travis Manion Foundation Honor Roll this week. We're going to honor uh, a member of the United States Navy, uh, a young man who gave the ultimate sacrifice as a Navy SEAL serving uh, in Afghanistan. Uh, and his name was Danny Philip Dietz, Jr., born January the 26, 1980, in Aurora, Colorado, and he was 25 years old when he gave the ultimate sacrifice uh, working and serving as a Navy SEAL. Uh, gave the ultimate sacrifice on June the 28, 2005, as I mentioned, in the Kunar province of Afghanistan. And uh, Danny, who had earned a black belt in Taekwondo, He enlisted in the Navy in 1999 uh, and earned his SEAL Trident in 2001 and subsequently assigned to the SEAL Delivery Vehicle Team 2 out of Virginia Beach, Virginia in 2003. And then he later deployed a short short time later to Afghanistan in support of Naval Special Warfare Squadron 10 uh, and the prosecution of the war on terror. And as a part of elite team of four SEALs on a reconnaissance mission, they were, quote, tasked with finding a key Taliban leader in mountainous terrain near Azabad, Afghanistan. And it was on that day in June 28, 2005, when SEAL Team 10 was assigned to kill or capture that high-ranking Taliban leader uh, as they became under fire. And that SEAL team was made up of Danny Dietz himself, Matthew Axelson, Marcus Luttrell, in Michael P. Murphy, and a fierce gun battle ensuing between the four SEALs and a much larger Taliban enemy force that had a superior ta- tactical position, as that was recalled by one of the SEALs there. Danny had radioed for help, and a responding Chinook helicopter was shot down by a rocket propelled grenade, killing eight more SEALs and eight. Army Night Stalker. It was the worst single combat loss for the SEALs in SEAL history until several years later in 2011. But in that firefight, uh, Dietz was mortally wounded after taking the brunt of the initial attack. And his teammate, uh, SEAL teammate, Marcus Luttrell, carried him on the way down the mountain as, as Dietz fired back. And the rigorous activity re- was repeated several times uh, until Luttrell turned around and Dietz was hit by that final bullet penetrating the back of his head and killing him instantly and They both subsequently fell uh, as Dietz uh, his body fell, and Luttrell was severely injured and uh, Danny Dietz's body was not recovered until about a week later. Um, the location of his body was unknown for 7 days and he was recovered during a combat search and rescue operation on the 4th of July 2005. And Danny Deets was ultimately returned to the US where he was buried with full military honors at Fort Logan National Cemetery. Uh, he survived by his family, his mother and his father Cindy and Daniel Deets, as well as a brother Eric and a sister Tiffany. And he was later awarded the Navy's highest decoration, the Navy Cross, along with a Purple Heart for his actions in the war in Afghanistan. The native of Denver, Colorado, Aurora, to be exact, Danny Philip Dietz Jr., giving the ultimate sacrifice, serving as a Navy SEAL with so many other proud U.S. Navy sailors there in Afghanistan, giving the ultimate sacrifice, certainly never forgotten, as we remember Danny Philip Dietz Jr.,
0: Travis Mannion Foundation unites communities to strengthen America's national character by
1: empowering veterans and families of fallen heroes to develop and lead future generations. Through their 9-11 Heroes Run 5K race series, TMF unites communities across the country and around the world to honor the sacrifices of September 11th and the war since. Register to run, walk, or rock at a race near you or as a virtual runner by visiting 911heroesrun.org. All right, that's almost a wrap here on this episode of Yards and Stripes. Thanks again to Fisher DeBerry, our featured guest interview, the legendary Air Force head coach, for taking the time to join us again. Great to catch back up with him since had been uh, since season one of Yards and Stripes when we first launched. So fantastic uh, time with the legendary Air Force head coach Fisher DeBerry. Also, want to appreciate uh, and say thank you to the Tom uh, Travis Mannion Foundation. Appreciate TMF for their support this year, all their help, especially with our TMF honor roll segment that we do each and every week, wrapping up the podcast. And certainly to you all listening right now, wherever you are, thank you for taking the time, whether you're on a treadmill, driving home from work, commuting in or out of a city. Uh, or listening on your lunch break. It doesn't matter where you are, uh, just every single ear on this podcast. I am so incredibly appreciative of you all around the country and around the globe. Don't forget. If you like what we do, uh, certainly subscribe. I hope you'll subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, many different ways to listen to Yards and Stripes every single week as a new episode is delivered right there to your smartphone. Certainly if you have an iPhone, Apple Podcasts is probably your app of choice, and if that is your app of choice, it would be awesome to go give us a review right there. We'll take five stars for whatever you want to give us, but the biggest thing is let us know, give us that review because – That helps other Army, Navy, and Air Force fans find us, and that also helps us find even more college football fans in general. So uh, give us a rating right there, and if you like what we do, just uh, drop me a line. Let me know, certainly at Yards and Stripes on Twitter and Facebook. Give us a follow right there as we are moving through almost, not quite, we still got a little ways to go, but almost that first month of the college football season in the books. But looking forward to the games again this weekend. Army certainly hosting Morgan State. And then the biggie on Friday night as Air Force travels to number 20 Boise State in a big Mountain West Conference showdown. Thanks again to every single person listening. Can't wait to be back with you again here next week on Yards and Stripes. Your home for Service Academy football.
0: To get more on all things Service Academy football, like Yards and Stripes on Facebook and follow them on Twitter at Yards and Stripes. And as always, you can subscribe to Yards and Stripes on iTunes and Stitcher. Join us again next time for Yards and Stripes Service Academy Football.